welcome. Am I, I'm hot, good, perfect. I've never had to use one of these before, so um, it's a new experience for me. So I will say earlier in the week, I texted Lenny and said, you know, after pulling everything together, I was going to say, I'm going to need about a half hour. Is that going to work? And he said, perfect. And I see he's left me 19 minutes. So if I go a little over, it's not my fault. (laughs) So I just want to say good morning and uh, welcome to each one of you and dads, especially that are here with us. Happy Father's Day, and those of you who are joining us online, I just want to say welcome, and especially my family in Eugene, I know they're joining us online this morning, and in particular, I just want to say to my dad, you know, thanks for being there again and supporting me just like you always have, and a special happy Father's Day to you. And to all those that are here, I want to say it's really good to see you face-to-face. With all the stuff with COVID going on, I was starting to get really nervous that I was going to be one of those speaking to an empty room in front of a camera. And I, as bad as public speaking may be, I think that would be worse. So it's really great to have each of you here today. So I read a story recently about a young boy who comes downstairs late at night to his dad and asks for a glass of water. And the dad gets up, fills up his glass of water, sends him back to bed. And a little bit later, the boy's back asking for another glass of water. And the father reluctantly gets up, gets him some water, and sends him back to bed. And this goes on for a little while until finally the dad has had enough. He's fed up with the sun coming down. So the next time the boy comes down and asks for water, he looks at him, he says, son, I've already given you 10 glasses of water. Now it's time for you to get back upstairs and stay in bed. And the boy looks at him a little confused and said, but dad, my bedroom's still on fire. (laughs) And that's just a little bit of a funny story to start, but I have to say, especially when you're a parent of a young child, isn't that sometimes maybe what it feels like? You're either trying to get the kids to stay in bed or you're putting out fires. And, uh, but I just want to encourage you today that the picture is so much more important to that than that. And guys, in spite of what the world tries to tell us and conventional wisdom says or popular media who tries to dumb down the importance of fathers, I just want to remind you today that you are important and you matter and the role that you have in the lives of your family is important. One of my favorite stories to help illustrate this concerns a man by the name of Charles Francis Adams and his young son, Brooks. Charles Francis Adams was the son of John, President John Quincy Adams. He served for a while as a, a senator in the state senate for Massachusetts, later in the U.S. Congress, and eventually he became the U.S. ambassador to Great Britain under Abraham Lincoln. And uh, in other words, he was a busy and an important man. He had a lot of important stuff to do. And throughout his life, he was very conscientious to keep a daily journal. And he encouraged his children to do the same. And his son, Brooks, took that to heart and began journaling at a very young age. So Brooks, who was the fourth of their seven children, has an entry in his journal that he made when he was eight years old, and it read, went fishing with my father today, the most glorious day of my life. In fact, that day had such an impact on Brooks that he continued to speak and write about it for the next 30 years. And it was only after all of that time went by that he thought, you know what? I should look back at my dad's journal and see what he wrote on that day. And so he finally pulled out his dad's notes and took a look. And for that day's entry, his father had simply written, went fishing with my son, a day wasted. And it's, it's sad because he felt like, you know, the time spent with his son wasn't that important. He had important stuff to do and he just didn't have time for fishing. But I want to stress to you men, regardless of how busy life may get, how important your job may seem or how long your to-do list can get. A day or even a few 
Precious moments invested in the life of a child is never wasted. You may never know which day you spend with your child is going to be the one that they look back on 30 years later as the most important day in their life. And so I just want to encourage you how important a father can be. Research from the University of Pennsylvania indicates that children who feel a closeness and a warmth with their father are twice as likely to enter college, 75% less likely to father a child in their teenage years, 80% less likely to wind up in prison at some point in their life, and half as likely to show signs of depression. In other words, dads, you matter. The time you invest in your child is not wasted. It is important. And I'm not just speaking to fathers here who may have young children. Adults can benefit from the impact of a, life, of a father in their life as well. And how do I know this? Well, I'm 48 years old, and I still cherish every moment I get to spend with my father. Um, and I still loved and am encouraged by the example that he sets for me every day, just as much as I did when I was young. So if you'll indulge me, just let me give you a little bit of background on my relationship with my father. I was born in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, my family still, most of my family still lives there, including my parents. Um, so other than just a few people here, I don't think there's very many of you that have ever had the privilege of meeting my dad but I have a lot of memories of him that I don't have time to share today, but when people ask me what I remember most, it's always two things that come to mind. First, I know that when I was young, if I got up early enough in the morning to catch him, I could come upstairs and every day I would find him in his favorite chair in the living room, either reading, his, reading the Word of God or praying for his family. And number two, I remember that he always made time for me. I went to a small school just outside of Eugene, and as if anybody who goes to a school that doesn't have very many kids, if you can walk and chew gum at the same time, you're expected to participate in sports. And so I did. I played three sports, football, basketball, baseball. My older brother played three sports, and my sister did the same thing. And I, out of all of those sporting events and all of those games, I don't remember a single one that my dad missed. Now, I'm sure there are some. I just don't remember them. Um, and one in particular I remember was my senior year of baseball, we had a team in our league that was out on the Oregon coast in a town called Walport, which was like a two-and-a-half-hour drive from home. Um, and so during baseball season, so both teams didn't have to make that same trip, we would schedule a doubleheader, get both the league games out of the way in the same day, and only one team had to make that drive. And so to be able to pull that off, um, the first game, since we didn't have lights on the field, would start at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which meant we had to leave home at about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning on a weekday, to make it to the game. And I just remember thinking, you know what, that's a work day for my dad. He's probably not going to make this one. And, but sure enough, before the first pitch was thrown out, I remember looking up in the stands, and there, just like always, was my dad. Now, would he, be in a, would he have been a bad father if he didn't make that drive? No. Would I have been scarred as a child if he didn't make that drive? No, of course not. But after all these years, 30-some years later, when I look back, for whatever reason, that's one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about my dad. Kind of like Brooks Adams in that day of fishing with his father. And my point is that you just never know what activity or what event you're going to participate in with your child that's going to be the thing that they look back on years later and it's going to be the most important day you ever spent with them. You can't schedule the memory of a lifetime. All you can do is invest in your kids and those, those days happen all by themselves. So, as I mentioned earlier, not only did my dad invest time in us, but he also invested in us in, by being an example in the Word of God 
and by carrying me and the rest of my family to the Lord in prayer every single day. And I know that even now, when he's hundreds of miles away, I have confidence that he does that very thing every single day. What an incredible example, and what an incredible area in which we as fathers can have a positive and an eternal impact on our families. Be dedicated to bringing them to the Lord every day in prayer and let them see the example in your life of how you're committed to the Word of God. Now, I realize that not everyone here has a history like I do. Um, I don't know where each person comes from. I don't know your dads for the most part. Um, Some of you had a father probably much like my own who was invested in you and who was a Christ-like example for you. And praise the Lord for those fathers. But I know that some of you probably didn't. Some of you maybe have a strained relationship with your dad or maybe you don't have much of a relationship at all. But the good news is that no matter what your history is, whatever your past is with your own dad, there's one place where every single person in this room is equal. And that is we all have the same heavenly father that Lenny spoke about this morning. Um, a father who loves us, who wants desperately to know us, who wants to spend every single day with us, wants to have a deep and personal relationship with us. Ephesians 1, 3-5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And I love that verse. Isn't that amazing? According to this verse, you and I were predestined since before the creation of the world. We were specifically created for the purpose of being children of God. And not just children, but adopted children, which can sometimes have a negative connotation. But to me, adoption is amazing because it means that we, weren't, we aren't children of God because of some birthright. We weren't born into the family and he has to put up with us whether he wants to or not. We're children of God because he chose us. He chose to adopt us as his children, which to me is an incredible gift. And not only has he chosen us, but he calls us to come into his presence and have a close and personal relationship with him. I'm struck by the fact that when the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, the prayer that he taught them began, Our Father. And then in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So we're not instructed to pray to a king or an all-powerful spiritual being that's somewhere out there in the universe that we can't contact. We are instructed to come with confidence before the throne of our father and talk with him just as we would our own dad. So who is this father? What is he like? How can we catch even a glimpse of his character or his nature or his power? And the rest of the time we have together, I'd like to focus on that question. So some of you who have spent some time with me in Sunday school know that one of my passions is creation. And so since I'm given the pulpit today and I can talk about whatever I want, I want to talk about creation and share a little bit about, of that about you. And the reason I love to talk about creation is not only because it's foundational to the Word of God and the truth of God's Word, but also because of what it can reveal to us about the character of our Father in Heaven. So I've got on the slide, if Colton can pull it up, One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 1.20, and it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. 
In other words, if you want to catch a glimpse of who your heavenly father is, look at what he made. And so we're going to try to do that today. King David says it a little bit differently in Psalms 19.1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So I love when we talk about creation, looking at the heavens that God made and try to get an idea of what are they saying about the God of the universe. So I've got a couple slides to help us demonstrate this. And I always love sharing these when I do a creation class, especially with the kids, because it's just eye-opening as to the scope of the heavens that God has made. So if we can go to the first slide, here we've got one that shows the planets in this, some of the smaller planets in our solar system by size, starting with the smallest uh, Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Earth. So when you look at the Earth there, can you, can you see yourself on it? Can you see your home, your place of business, all these big worries that encompass you? Or have you ever been on a ship out in the middle of the ocean or driving across the plains in the Midwest and just stopped and been in awe at the size and majesty of the world that God created? Well, as we look at things from God's perspective, they start to appear a bit smaller. So when we go to the next slide, you can see Earth now in relation to the bigger planets in our solar system. Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter. Things start to seem a bit smaller now, don't they? And when we go to the next slide, we really start to get a perspective of some of God's creation. So there in the bottom left corner, you can just see a little dot that represents Earth. Against Jupiter, a red dwarf star called Wolf 359, our sun, and Sirius, which is the brightest star in our night sky. So before I go any further with the slides, I wanted to do just a little visual to help you kind of picture in your mind the scope of what we're talking about. On these slides, all the planets are nice and bunched together, so you can't really get an idea of the scope of the heavens that we're talking about. So I brought with me, I'll pull this over here so I can have it close by. Really quick, I brought with me my son's basketball, which measures about a foot in diameter. And we're going to let this represent the sun at the center of our solar system. So if everything got shrunk down to the size where the sun was the size of this basketball, where would the rest of the planets fall? Well, at this scale, Mercury would be just a little bit larger than a grain of sand. It would be located 12 yards away from the sun, and I pasted off, and that's about six feet in front of the sound booth back there. That's where the closest planet to the sun would fall. The next, Venus, would be about the size of a BB and would be 22 yards away, which would be outside of the sanctuary, about in the middle of the foyer. And then Earth, finally, where we sit, would be also, it's just a little bit larger than Venus, so it's also about the size of a BB. And it would sit 31 yards away, which would be right about at the exterior door as you leave to go into the parking lot. So if the sun is this size, Earth is out there, by the back door. Continuing on from there, a few more planets. Mars is about half the size of Earth, so about half the size of a BB at this scale, and would fall about 50 feet outside of our building, somewhere out in the loading lane that, where you pull up to drop people off. Jupiter would measure about an inch in diameter, so about the size of a golf ball, and it would be located 162 yards away, which would be all the way outside across the parking lot and about 10 feet into the FLC. So we're starting to get pretty big. And then the last one we're going to look at, Saturn, is a little bit smaller than Jupiter. Again, it's about the size of a golf ball if you don't count the rings. And it would be located 297 yards from our sun. 
So it's clear on the other side, about 100 yards past the other side of the FLC, clear past the woodpile, off of the church's property. And those are just the planets in our solar system. So as you can see, you start looking at the universe God has made, things start to look really big. So I want you to pay attention here. We have Sirius up here, which is about twice the size of our sun. When we go to the next slide, things start to look a, bit, a little bit different. There, that little teeny ball in the bottom left corner is Sirius, which is twice as large as our sun compared to Pollux, Arcturus, and Aldebaran. And in this picture, Jupiter would be about one pixel on the screen. And Earth has just completely disappeared at this point. Still see yourself? Still see your homes and your businesses and all your worries? God starts to seem pretty big at this point, doesn't he? We go out a little bit further. We have Aldebaran on the right side. If we go to the next slide, there's Aldebaran, that little teeny ball in the lower left side against Rigel, Antares, and Betelgeuse. And on this picture, our sun is about one pixel on the screen. And then we go to the last slide I have where you can see the biggest stars that we know of, Betelgeuse, Lucephi, VV Cepheid, and the really big one, VY Canis Majoris. I think that's a cool name for the biggest star that we know of in our galaxy, don't you? So this one actually does fall in the Milky Way galaxy. And then um, the biggest, one of the biggest stars that we know of. So if you go to the next slide, we have actually a picture of our sun blown up compared to VY Canis Majoris. It's literally so big, you just can't comprehend it. If we go back to my analogy here where we have the basketball representing our sun and our solar system, right? Um, but let's go on, before I do that, to another slide that shows a little bit about where VY Canis Majoris is. So here's an overview of our solar system where the sun's at the middle and the relative orbits of the planets around the sun. And if I overlay VY Canis Majoris in our solar system, you can see the outside of that star falls somewhere between the orbits of Jupiter and Saturn around the sun. Just enormous. Earth's orbit would fall inside of that one star. So, again, if I go to this basketball analogy, if I had a, if I had a uh, ball big enough to represent that one star, the edge of that ball with this at the center would be on the other side of the gym in the FLC, about at the back of the kitchen in our FLC. That's the one star, and that's just one of billions and billions of stars that our Heavenly Father has made. If you go to the next slide, you can see a picture, a composite of the Milky Way galaxy. And remember, that star is just one of billions and billions in the Milky Way, which is just one of billions and billions of galaxies in the universe. If you can go to the next slide, Cole. So there's a picture of the heavens and all of the galaxies. So just to talk about a couple things that fall outside of our solar system so we can start to get a picture of the vastness of the heavens that God made. And why did he make them? Well, according to King David, because they declare the glory of God. Did he have to make the universe as big as he did? Did he have to make as many stars as he did? Well, apparently he did if he wanted to show us how great he is. And that's why he created this. So at this scale with the sun the size of a basketball, the next closest star to our sun that falls inside of our galaxy would be located 4,700 miles away, just a couple hundred miles this side of London, England, at this small scale. VY Canis Majoris, that really big star that we talked about, at this scale, 
would be located 4.3 million miles away. A distance equal to going from the Earth to the Moon 18 times. The next closest galaxy to our own, Milky Way, at this scale, would be 28 million miles away, about one-third of the distance from the Earth to the Sun. And the second closest galaxy to our own would be located 78 million miles away at this scale, about 84% of the way from the Earth to the Sun. And those are just two of the billions and billions and billions of galaxies that our Father has made. So if we can go to the next slide. The question is, exactly how many stars and galaxies are there in our universe? The answer is no one really knows. But I can tell you that scientists' perceptions changed a lot when they performed this study right here. This was um, just an idea of the, what they called the Hubble Extreme Deep Field, or XDF, project. And so this shows our moon in the sky, and that little box on the screen is a relative size of how big of an area of the sky they looked at with this project. Another way to look at it is if you had a ballpoint pen in your hand and you held it up at arm's length, the amount of the sky that would be blocked from your view by the head of that pin is the amount of sky that they looked at. And they pointed the Hubble Space Telescope at the exact same spot in the sky thousands and thousands of times over a period of 10 years to come up with one composite photo to pick up the things that were the dimmest that they could possibly find. And this is the photo that they came up with in a spot where they thought was a dark portion of the sky. Cole, you got it? The next one. They found out that in that one little sliver of space that they thought was just a black piece of sky contained about 5,500 galaxies. Not stars, entire galaxies within that one little sliver. And so after all of this, scientists now estimate, if you can go to the next slide, that there may be as many as 200 trillion trillion stars in the universe. That's a two with 23 zeros after it. Probably a number bigger, Bruce, than you've ever seen in all your accounting, right? Even bigger than the national debt. But uh, it's enough that every single person on the earth could have 25 quadrillion stars to themselves. So in other words, if I came to Lenny and I said, Lenny, here's a million stars, and then I gave him another million and another million, I would have to do that 25 billion times for him to have 25 quadrillion stars. And then I would go to the next person, London, and I would say, here's your million stars 25 billion times. And I'd have to do that for every single person of the 7 billion people on earth to hand out all of the stars that God has created in his universe just to say, here's how big I am. Isn't that amazing? Um, <clears throat> so why did he do this? If you look at the next slide, remember back to where we started. Because... His creation displays how good he is. If you want to know how big God is, if you want to understand his nature and his power, the Bible says you can understand it by looking at what he made. And Isaiah 40.12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand, marked off the heavens? So exactly how big is the hand of God? A hand that can mark off these heavens that we just talked about with the breadth of his hand. Well, if you look at the next slide, I love this picture of God's hand. It doesn't just hold the whole world in his hand. It marks off the breadth of the universe. Again, Psalms tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. So do you want to know who God is? Do you want to know what your heavenly Father is like? 
Do you want to know if your Father in Heaven is big enough to handle what you're going through today? I would encourage you, just go outside any night when the sky is clear and look up at the heavens. Look at the trillions and trillions of stars that God has made because God is as great and unchanging as the universe that He placed into motion. Your Father in Heaven is big enough for anything you may be going through today, and yet He has chosen to adopt you as His child and has invited you to come directly into His presence, which to me is amazing. Isaiah 40 Verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To me, that's amazing. The God whose hand has marked off the infinite heavens that we can't even picture in our mind says that I will take that right hand and I will uphold you through whatever you're going through. So with that image of the universe in mind, the vastness that we talked about, I just want you to listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 40 and try to catch a glimpse of who our Father in heaven is. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So I opened today sharing a few memories about my dad. And as Lenny said, and many of you know, my dad's going through some pretty difficult stuff right now. Um, a few months ago, he was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, a tumor that was growing in his sinus. And so the doctors chose to treat it with radiation and try to shrink it down as much as possible before they operated on it. So he went through that, and then... Uh, Weeks ago, after all the radiation was completed, he went back in for some new imaging, and they discovered that the cancer had spread to both of his lungs, and it was a form that most likely is not treatable. And so uh, the day after, or that, that evening, after they had gone up to meet with the doctors, I called my mom and got the update, and she gave me the news about his new diagnosis, and then my dad got on the phone. And the first thing he said to me was, God is still in control. And to me, that is a mark of a Christ-like father who understands the perspective of his heavenly father. A heavenly father that holds the whole universe in his hands. You know what? He told me if God chooses to heal me, he absolutely can. Our God is bigger than cancer. But if he doesn't, you know what? There's a home waiting for him where cancer and sickness can't touch him where he gets to see his father face to face every single day. And what a glorious place that will be. So we are not without hope. As Pastor Troy said last week, and I actually wrote it down, although life is uncertain, God is not. And he still has the whole world in his hands. God is in control. He is still on the throne. So I urge you today, go from this place with a new perspective of who your heavenly father is. And if you need a reminder, just go out at night and look up at the stars and be reminded of how great a Father and a God that we serve because the heavens declare the glory of God.
whatever life may send your way, whatever your heavenly Father, remember that your heavenly Father is still the one who created the infinite heavens just to show us how amazing he is. He still cares about each trial you encounter. He still invites you to come and have a personal relationship with him. As we sang this morning, he is worthy and he is a good, good father. So I encourage you, go from here with confidence. Confidence in who your heavenly father is and confident that he is big enough to handle whatever you may be going through and that we can be men and women who face whatever life brings our way and just says, God is in control. Happy Father's Day. Go in peace. Thanks so much, Doug. You feel like you got a practice shot? Did you get to go on, or did you, or you, did you give us all your best? Yeah, you're going to be wore out over there. That was excellent, man. Thank you. You know, God laid Doug on my heart, oh, like before the first of the year. And he has shared his testimony uh, in our men's meet and greet. And uh, there have been other times in Sunday school and, and things when God has gifted you with many things to use to further the kingdom and to uphold the body of Christ. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, there may be someone here today. Maybe you've not really encountered in relationship. I guess the thing that was blowing my mind, and you kept alluding to it, was that the God of that universe that has all this immensity, do you ever just stop and think, how could he know or give a rip about little old me? Have you ever been in one of those vast places you talked about? You know, uh, I've been in giant crowds of people in big cities and just see all these people in L.A. and San Francisco or wherever it was, major airports and major cities, and think, there's so many people. You know, out here in a little place like Baker City, I can almost get it sometimes. But, man, when I'm caught up in the vastness of all of it, it's hard to imagine that our God could know every dot and tittle of my life every thought I have, everything that matters to me, everything, every person that matters to me, the things I do right, the things I do wrong. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you have, maybe everybody in here has got that relationship through Jesus Christ with the God of the universe. But there might be someone who's just kind of been toying with the whole thought, just sort of holding God at arm's length. Maybe you've Never really taken that step of faith today. I'm going to ask if we just bow our heads where we are. And this isn't a, a look around time, but there may be somebody here before we close up today who would just raise your hand and say, hey, as you close in a time of prayer today, would you remember me? Because I'm struggling with my relationship with God. I want to know him, and I want to talk to the master of the universe. Maybe you're here today, and nobody's looking around to see what you're doing. This is between you and God. You just raise up your hand and say, Pastor Lenny, just remember me as you do that today. Anyone? Amen. Father, what a joy to know that the God of the universe who created this all to glorify yourself so that we could enjoy 
the immensity of who you are, that that immensity of who you are could come down to us, to me, and that you would send Jesus Christ, your one and only son, who sat with you and helped create this incredible universe galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. I can't even think in the numbers that Doug was talking about, Lord. And if it took all of that to form this one little place called Earth so that you could find a place that you could put a man and a woman and they would procreate this whole world to the point where we're here and you want to have a relationship with me and each one of us. And you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sin that I might have that relationship with you. How amazing. How amazing is that? So, Father, today, I want to pray, Father, that you would bless Doug and you'd bless his mom and dad as they're going through what they're going through. That you continue to, to touch Kristen and the family. And, and on both of these notes, Lord, her, her grandma was taken from the family in a tragic automobile accident just a week ago, Lord, and I, I pray, Father, that you would stay close to each of them and walk with them and minister to them and uplift them and uphold them. But I pray, Father, that Doug's message today, which you've laid on his heart, that he's taken seriously and brought to us this, this day, that you would plant it in our hearts, that the seed of it might grow, that there, if we come up against those times, oh God, when you feel far off or we feel far from you, that you would remind us that the God of this universe, through your son Jesus Christ, loves us, loves me, loves each of us. We pray in your name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Have a good one. Go enjoy hot dogs or hamburgers or whatever it is you got going on in the backyard today. Hopefully you're doing that. We're doing some of that. You have a good one. Take care. Adios. A river dirty. How does that? Uh, anyway, you know, get up and leave. Okay.